Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. Today, I have the fifth and final episode from the interviews at Inspiration Rising Live in Orange County, California. 70 or so women and a few guys gathered for a night of inspiration and connection. It was an incredible night, and I hope that the recording of these interviews gives you a taste into what it was like to be there in person. Our final interview of the evening was with Stacy Robbins, who shared on the topic of an unconventional life, turning your dreams into realities. Stacy is an integrated wellness coach, speaker, and author of An Unconventional Life, Where Messes and Magic Collide, which is the book that we gave out to each attendee on this evening. She's also the author of You're Not Crazy and You're Not Alone, as well as Bloom Beautiful. She creates experiences through her international retreats and workshops, empowering women to live from what she calls their brave soul place. And in fact, at this very moment, as I'm recording this intro, Stacy is in Italy with a group of women. All right, let's join the audience at Inspiration Rising Live to hear from Stacy Robbins. There are certain cultural paths that we just walk down in life without even realizing we're walking down them. The things that we eat, the clothes that we wear, the places that we go, the, uh, the ways that we educate our you know, kids, all of these things. And yet you have chosen to live a very unconventional <laughs> life. I know this personally. I talk to Stacy like every other day. She's a very close friend and you share all about your unconventional life in your book. But why, why, why? And how have you chosen to live unconventionally? Tell me the why first, and then give us some examples of how you have lived unconventionally. It's easier to tell the how first. Okay, the why... Well, you can tell the how if you want. That's That's, that's fine. um, No, that's fine. I think the why is... You know, in life, we have a lot of opportunities to be rewarded by our culture. And in my life in particular, I had a lot of opportunities to be rewarded. I had... You know, I grew up in a very comfortable family financially. I, my dad had a high position in what he did. He had also been a top 50 Billboard chart musician. Um, I, was, I was talented with music. I was talented at writing. I was, um, you know, gifted at sports. So I had a lot of things going for me. And the thing is that as I would pursue different things in life, I found myself like on the, on the path of being rewarded the way you would be rewarded in the world. But then there was always, or often, some twist or turn that I didn't end up with that full reward. And it gave me pause. I think when you're on a path and you're on a track that is supposed to lead to a certain outcome, but then there are twists and turns, it can give you pause. That was probably one of my reasons why, is that I had enough things that were like, boom, and it's like, why? What's going on? And not only why did I not get that, it's like, what did I get spared from? Like, I asked big questions. I also went through, unfortunately, a lot of traumatic circumstances that I had to process on my own because I was threatened to not talk about those things. And whether it was the pride of my family that I wasn't allowed to talk about it because of our reputation, or it was because of, you know, what was going on. It was a warning, don't do this or it'll be worse. Don't share with anybody or it'll be worse. So I really had to go inside. I had this really deep spiritual conversation 
And um, in those times of being reflective and trying to find your way through muddy waters and dark nights, you, um, you get to ask yourself some questions that maybe a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 20-year-old wouldn't normally ask. So why do I live unconventionally? Because I had some really extreme circumstances that called for my attention, and I had some places in my life that were unrewarded, and that gave me pause. So I think those are... Uh, you know, other than the obvious answers of maybe that was my destiny or that was my calling to live unconventionally. I don't know. All I know is that that's sort of my circumstantial why. And how do I live unconventionally? Oh, David, like, let me count the ways. Um, let me see. Uh, the first thought is like, okay, we pulled the the breakers off and lived without electricity except for two breakers on for four years with my family. Uh, we did an indoor camping experiment. And let me tell you, that first night when you put all the candles out and it looks, looks all beautiful, but then you like you trip your way over Legos and you make up new vocabulary words for your kids to know. And then you sit down on the toilet and to poop and you nearly light yourself on fire with that candle. Like you learn a lot of things in your unconventional life. So, you know, um, we did that. I, the way I healed my son. Why, well, why did you do that? That's like, a, that's more, we have more, let me tell you a couple more hows and then okay, I'll answer why. Okay, all right. So, um, things like when my son was going through some bullying at his private school, which was kind of an unconventional private school where you would think bullying doesn't happen, it happened, and he ended up with PTSD. And during that same time, my younger son was injured in a soccer accident, and he was in a wheelchair, my husband's division sold, and everyone lost their jobs, including him, and... And everyone's looking at me like, heal us, fix us, make the money for us. Can you just be superwoman? And I was like, I went and I laid on the, my bed and I looked up at the ceiling. I, but I put my, my head where my feet go because my life felt like it was upside down. So I put my head where my feet go on my bed and my feet by the pillow. And I looked at the ceiling and I was like, if I could do anything, you know, without without worry or regard for time, money, or opportunity, what would I do? And I, I dreamed from that place. And so I decided to sell almost everything, take the kids, and go on a book tour across the U.S. at buy one-way tickets to Italy. Because I'm like, shit, you can heal with gelato and wine just as easily as you can heal down the street from where you were hurt, right? So... Things like that, or that I chose to feed my kids with an organic garden outside, or I chose to drive an older car at, so that there would be you know, money for going to the doctors because of a health bump that I was going through, or for experiences. Um, no television. Oh, yeah. We, don't, we didn't raise the kids with television. We haven't had a TV in the house for like 23 years, except for a couple of times. I pulled it in from the garage when the elections were going on. Uh, about 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, so I just, I'm sure there are more things, but they're so normal to me that I don't know what's unconventional anymore, you know. Um, but I do, I just kind of look at really, um, I look at those things that happen in life and I, I, I don't try to think outside of the box. I just, it's just how Stacy's ro- wired, you know. Mm-hmm. Your subtitle of the book is... Uh, where messes and magic collide. So how would you describe messes? What are messes? What is magic? And what happens when they collide? Okay, so for an example, tonight I was the lost bean. I went to the wrong lost bean. It took me an hour to get there from Seal Beach, and I was there really excited to be there. But, and there's some dude singing in some side room, and I'm like, 
Well, that kind of sounds like it would be David if he were a singer, but I don't know why he's singing. And so I went in and it's totally the wrong place and it's the wrong time. But as I walked in, a guy who I know from Italy was sitting there and said, Stacy. So like, this is my whole freaking life, you guys. It's like, oh, whoops. And it's not like I'm a dingbat, because I'm not a dingbat. But I, I just left my family. I left my 17-year-old at home. And it was that weird gap between me leaving and my husband arriving. And he has a fever, and he's nauseous. And I hit, I kept hitting the directions, and I hit the wrong one. And you probably like sprayed some herb on him and then like gave him a stick to suck on or something. My son, you mean, not the guy I met in the last yeah. They don't know what you're talking about. Yes, because I'm a voodoo person. Yeah, I'm one of Bita. You know, I'm like one of those people. I'm like, hmm, here's some essential oil I'm going to drown you with. I'm sure that will make you better. And, um, and a lot of love and yeah, herbs. So that's messes and magic. You literally oh, saw a guy. You saw a guy from Italy. Yeah, yeah. I walk in. He's like, Stacy. I'm like, Luke, aren't you in Italy? He's like, no, I'm here. I'm like, duh, obviously he's here. Like I, anyway, but what is really fun is like, that's what this whole book is about. Like you guys, you don't even know what my inner soul restlessness that I didn't even realize I had went away after I birthed this book. Like I, he says that I've written three books. I've actually written seven, but um, there are three out there right now. It's okay to be wrong, David. I love you. But <laughs> the thing is that there are those stories in every chapter. And I knew these stories weren't, they were, they were for me because I'm important and they're for you because you're important. And so when I wrote them, I was like, this life I've lived isn't just for me. It's for every soul I get to share the story of whatever is the mess. For me, it's been different things, whether it was you know, my husband's job being uh, you know, dissolved when the division was sold or you know, healing a kid from bullying when you're thinking that he's safe um, and when you were so careful about speaking life into his life. You know. um, it's, it's the messes of... You know, you think you're going to hit a certain mark, whether it's in your business or in your health, and, and then you're totally the opposite extreme. And I think the messes are often those unexpected things. I think the messes show up when you're not planning on them because the mess isn't just the mess in and of itself. It's the disappointed expectation. It's the, the soul lurching and that faith quake that happens because you were on a certain path that you thought was going to lead to a certain place and then it went sideways. So I really think that the messes aren't always like the worst, hardest things. Sometimes they're the things you were so least expecting. And I think the magic is how that situation can either undo you or remind you of your power. It, that it, there's, there's, the, there's a moment in magic when it, it could all go really wrong. There's a, there's a point in a in a magic trick where, you know, the guy brings out the blindfold and the knives where you're like, oh, this could get really bad. But then, you know, and then, but then things are okay. And then things are like beyond okay. They're beyond your expectation. I think that there's this moment when you hit a mess where you're like, this could be really awful, like the end of everything. And, and when you reach that dark night of the soul and you ask one more question, or you breathe one more breath, or you, you say one more prayer, you're, you find yourself in a place that's tapping into and accessing this 
alchemist power inside of you, the thing that's inside of you that, you know, an alchemist takes base metals and turns them into gold. And that power lives in every one of us, but you don't know that power that you have until you're in front of that ugly metal that seems like it's valueless. And so those hard circumstances that threatened to undo me, those were the ones that I found my greatest power, confidence, strength, need to let go, you know. So some of us don't live that way. (laughs) You know, the way that you're describing. You know, it's like you get up, uh, you know, you've got this humdrum of life where you're going to work, you're coming home at night, the kids, you're trying to figure out homework, you know, your the election, you know, all, just all the stuff of life is just so hard. And uh, you talk about this dreaming, right, that, that people um, have the opportunity to see their dreams come to fruition. And yet dreaming feels so hard in those moments. It's like, I'm just trying to get through everyday life, not dream about going to Italy. You know what I mean? That feels more like a, like a, just a wish, a hope. But with the people that you coach, the women that you coach, how do you help them begin to dream again? How do you give them somehow space or tools or whatever it might be to get out of just the humdrum of life and actually begin to dream about what life could be or what they could experience? That's really an interesting question because I see all of my coaching clients as so extraordinary and I don't see, even if they would perceive their lives as humdrum in some way, I guess I don't see it. But the way that I would say is that we often get into those patterns because we're thinking really in a linear way about our life. We're thinking that if I do this, then I can have this. If I spend enough time at this job, then I can retire and have the good life that I've always wanted. Once I get my kids out off of nursing and then out of diapers and then into school, oh wait, no, not out of school, out into college, no wait, no married, no with their own children, no settled in their own home. Like we live this if, when, and then kind of life. And I think that we put off our dreams and we treat them like they're incidental instead of seeing them as part of the fabric of our nature and our and our being and that we're here, we are a dream. We are, we are a dream come true of, of the inspiration of the divine. And so dreaming isn't unessential or unnecessary. It's the fabric from which we were created. It's the inspiration that we were divinely inspired by. So I, I see it, I guess the way that I would talk to my clients is that I speak from that place because I believe that with all of my heart, that dreaming is not something that you wait for until you're worthy enough or have enough money in your bank. Do you know how much money I had in my pocket when I, my husband told me that his job was done and all this and whatever, and we were six months out and and, and the, all the, um, what's it called? The job pay that they give you after your job is gone. Severance. That and then unemployment. When all that was done, there was $1,000 left. In our Newport Beach condo that we were renting, that costs more than $1,000 a month, as you know. You know and, and my kids' tuition and all of this stuff. And, and I'm like, wow. Um, something's going to happen because something has to happen. And 
I tap into that dreamer within me. So the people who come into my space, I already see and believe in the dreamer in them. And I don't think you have to live consecutively. I think you can live concurrently, that your dreams can be happening while your you know, hustling is happening or your spiritual work is happening. I don't see that we have to wait. I think that we live now and it's all part of it. So some people have vision boards, some people write in journals, some people, you know, uh, go to bed at night and envision what they want. How do you see your dreams come to fruition? Because I have, I, I know the answer to this. So Tell I'm me, asking, what's the answer? No, no, no. I'll no. write a book about it. <laughs> because you guys, I mean, Stacy dreams things and they happen. It is crazy to watch it happen. And, and things come out of the woodwork uh, that, that, that resources, that's why when I say on the manifesto that, that you have access to all the resources you need in order to live out the inspiration with it, because I see it. I see it in my life. I see it in Stacy's life. I see it in these women's life, right? Tell us, how do you dream it? And then how do you see it come to fruition? Give us the secret sauce. Come on, tell us. Can I give you an example that will define it? Okay, so a few years ago when I took my family on that one-way trip to Italy, um, while I was there, you know, I'm social mediaing the whole thing, not not the chaos of my kids crying and they're like pissed because their friends aren't there and I'm trying to heal them, so I'm drinking more wine. You know, like all that. Like, how, I, how about your well, shoes that were giving you oh, blisters on shoe, your feet? They'll read the story about the lipstick and the shoes. You're going to love this. So... Um, what happened was I, what, oh, what was I saying? We're talking about how you have your dreams Oh, yeah, yeah. So while I'm there, women are saying so to me on mess. social media, the lost bean, that was the last one in my brain. Um, but women are saying to me, would you take me to Italy? Would you take me to Italy? Would you? I'm like, yeah, everybody wants to come to Italy. I'm like, no, duh, because Italy's awesome. And then when I came back, people were like, would you, would you lead a retreat in this? And I was like... No, I'm going to do one of my 100-day Taoist practices. I'm going to write a new book about my adventures, and y'all can go to Italy by yourself. And so I have this practice uh, daily of writing stream of consciousness journaling. And it's just a brain dump. I learned it 26 years ago from Julia Cameron in the book The Artist's Way. So I've been doing it that long on and off, right? It's changed my whole life. It's like therapy for just the price of a journal and a pen. And so I would journal every day because I wanted to brain dump and get the crappy stuff out and have room to write the book. And I'm writing, 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 and I hear, I'm going to lead a retreat in Italy. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, no. And then I was like, and the first person I'm going to invite is this client. No, don't. You know, and, and then I'm like, and it's going to be in this gorgeous villa, and there's going to be enough bathrooms for everyone who has perimenopause like me to pee in 20 times like I just did back there. And I'm like, and I'm, and I'm writing the vision of what it's going to be. And I did that every day. And it's July of three years ago, and uh, end of June or something, three years ago, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to lead a retreat in Italy. I don't have a villa. I, I have never flown alone for 12 hours, even though I had one of my jobs that I flew all the time. I had never done that, and I used to have a tremendous fear of flying, and then I only used to fly with my husband because I thought he was the good luck charm and God liked him better, so I wouldn't die if I was on the plane with him. And, you know, I mean, like, so these were big stretch dreams. This was like not normal. And, and, I, and I wrote this all down, and then I was like, all right, so I'm going to approach that client who I think would be the the person who would come, and I'm going to build the whole retreat around her. And I asked her, and she was like, I'm in. 
And she put the money down, and I was like, oh, I guess I have to do a retreat. So I just, and then I just kept asking people, and within two months, I filled the retreat, you know? And then I took these women to Italy, and I was like, this is pretty groovy. I'm going to do this again. You know, so it's, it, that is to, like, probably give you a picture of what the process is for me. You know, it's, it's like I journal it. I, I think it. And then what happens, like my trip with my kids, like with my trips to Italy or with writing the book... When I lose my vision after journaling and after activating them and after hitting the walls like all of us hit and having the doubts and wondering if you're the one and know someone better than you should be worthy of this experience, not you, you're the loser, duh. And after you go through all those, what happens is I lie down on my bed or I have a conversation with the divine and I'm just like, help me see it. And I lie there in my bed until I can see it like I'm walking in it. And that's how my dreams come true, because they are true for me. And when I'm in Italy, I'm not surprised to be in the villa like, whoa, this is me. I'm so fancy. I'm like, of course I'm here. I, just, I dreamt it, and now I'm, I just needed to like get on the plane. Do you understand? It's like that's, that's how I live my dreams. So powerful. And I see you doing that every day. You're dreaming. You're helping others dream. You help me dream. Thank you. Uh, we've talked about this evening for months and look at this. I know. You all are so much a part of my heart and David's vision. And it's, you're really extraordinary. Thank you for bringing us together. You're, I know you're going to say something nice about me, but I have to tell you, <laughs> I love you, David Trotter. And you are, um, you are a force in the world that really brings greatness together for the sake of greatness being actualized. And so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Stacey, I love you. You're amazing. You have an amazing family. You are so weird. (laughs) I am. And I appreciate that you allow me to be weird. You allow, (laughs) you don't judge me because of my incessant drinking of Diet Dr. Pepper. (laughs) You don't judge me because I eat Chick-fil-A macaroni and cheese. (laughs) You don't push onto me, but you're like an open book of resources and wisdom and care and love. And I really appreciate the space that you create for me to explore and ask things and you to engage. I just appreciate our friendship so much. So, and, and you will be, no, I'm not going to say will be, you are. Thank you. A New York Times bestselling author. USA Today best-selling author, Wall Street Journal best-selling author. I see it. I know it. I feel it. I know it's there. Thank you. It's there without a doubt. Will you give Stacy a hand? Yes. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stacy, and I want to encourage you to check out our website, stacyrobbins.com. You can find all the links to her social media by swiping up on your phone now and looking in our show notes. I want to encourage you to share this episode with a friend who might need this encouragement or inspiration. Take a screenshot of the episode on your phone, 
text it to them, and tell them to listen to the Inspiration Rising podcast. And if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the Inspiration Rising podcast. You can find it on the Apple or Google podcast app that's already loaded on your phone. Open the app, search Inspiration Rising, click subscribe, and you'll automatically receive every episode delivered to your phone. This is the easiest way to listen to the podcast. And actually, by subscribing, you help more people find the show in the app. All right, until next time, have a wonderful week.